Thanks for tuning into a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. It's our prayer that God would use this to stir your affections for Jesus, that the Spirit would work through his word being expounded as you listen to this message. As a reminder, podcasts and audio and video are great, but they aren't a replacement for the local church family. And so if you're part of Redemption Hill, a reminder to come and join us. If you're not in Washington, D.C., we would love for you to get connected to a local church where you can be loved and cared for. If you'd like to give to the ongoing ministries of Redemption Hill Church, you can do so at our website, redemptionhilldc.org. Thanks for listening. And Father, we are grateful to have this chance to be together this morning. We are grateful that we came together in the hope and celebration that there is hope for us and life for us, that, that through the, the difficult darkness of Friday and Saturday, that light has broken through. We thank you and praise you that, that in Christ we can see light that has broken into the darkness even when the darkness did not know it. And we pray this morning that you would move by your spirit to shed light into our hearts, into our souls. You would awaken us to the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thomas Arnold, professor of modern history at Oxford University, said, there is no one fact in the history of mankind is proved better and fuller, by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. Church, today we are gathered together with one purpose, which is the reason that we gather on Sundays throughout the rest of the year as well, but today we are gathered together to celebrate that Jesus Christ has risen from death to life. Um, there's a traditional Paschal greeting that has been carried forward by the Christian church throughout centuries. Um, Jess already greeted you with it, but, but um, we're going to do it again and throughout the time that we have today because we come together to declare, he is risen. All right, so that is the declaration of saying this is what we believe, that this is an actual event, a thing that really happened. This isn't, Christianity is not primarily a philosophy, it is not an ethic, it is not primarily a, a slant politically, it is primarily a declaration of news that something happened historically, that Christ was killed in our place for our sin at the hands of Pontius Pilate, that he was laid in a tomb through Saturday, and on the third day, on Sunday morning, he was raised from death to life. And so we gather together, together again to say, he is risen. He is risen so today, we're going to read what was delivered as of the first importance out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul um, was a, a convert to Christianity, and he wrote these things down in this letter to the church in Corinth. He said to them, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is one of the earliest actual records and accounts of the facts of the gospel that was ever written down. Paul, as he talks about it, he tells a little bit of his story here. The, the apostle Paul was a man that was a Pharisee, was a Jewish religious leader, was trained in the Jewish texts and, and in the Old Testament of our Bibles. He was, and he was so zealous for his faith and for his nation that when this new thing of Christianity popped up and people were claiming that, that it's this teacher, this rabbi, Jesus had been killed, who had been killed on, uh, right before Passover, he had been raised from death to life, Paul went after them. He persecuted people. He had people imprisoned. He, he presided over the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And so now he's saying that Jesus had appeared to him and it reshaped and changed the course of his own life. See, what Paul comes and says here is he talks about the gospel I preached to you and which was received. And he says, whether it was the other apostles or me preaching, so we preach and so you believed. Paul is saying here something important for us, that this gospel, this good news is something that is proclaimed, something that is preached. Now, again, I think it's easy to think about Christianity, and particularly if you're here this morning and you don't have a background in the church or an understanding of what real Christianity is, it's easy to think that Christianity is just another philosophy, just another teaching, just another way to think. But there's a difference in the Greek language in particular between the words for teaching and preaching. Teaching has a connotation of sharing a philosophy, of, of trying to convince you of some things and saying, here's something that's worked for me, you should try it out for yourself. And Christianity, if you approach Christianity that way and think, what is it that, you know, is Christianity work for me? Can I try this on and incorporate it into my life and, and sprinkle a little Jesus on top of the things that I'm already pursuing? You're going to be gravely disappointed. C.S. Lewis um, wrote, so he, he, I love this, he said, he said, listen, I didn't turn to Christianity for comfort. If I would have wanted that, I would have opened a bottle of port. <laughs> Christianity will not simply make your life easier. It's not a philosophy. The apostles explicitly rejected that. And Paul, earlier on in this same letter to the Corinthian church, said, I didn't come to you with any kind of wisdom or rhetoric, and he certainly had the education and the speaking ability to do so. But Paul said explicitly, no, I came knowing only Christ and him crucified, because the cross is the power of God, and what looks foolish to us is the wisdom of God, and it's wiser than anything that we have. But they came as preachers, as proclaimers. Now, and now I know for us, the word preaching or preachers might have connotations that may even be negative, like you don't, you don't usually say like, I really want that person to preach at me. <laughs> but here, the language is kerux. A kerux is simply a herald. It's somebody who had something to tell, some news to proclaim. And so this is what the apostles claimed to be, to be heralds with good news to tell. And so look at our passage today. And Paul couldn't be more explicit in saying, this isn't just a philosophy, these things happened. And he goes on to say later on in 1 Corinthians 15, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching, our proclamation is empty, it's in vain, and your faith is in vain. So we are found even to be misrepresenting God, he says. So 
the apostles and the early Christians explicitly proclaimed this is an event that happened. And Paul makes it clear here saying, I delivered this to you of first importance, that Christ died, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead. And look, here's the, he, he lays this out to say, here's the people you can ask. He says, go and ask Peter, Cephas. Peter, the one who had denied Jesus and abandoned him at the cross, he was the first apostle that Jesus showed up to. That go and ask him, he saw it, and then he appeared, he appeared to the 12, to the apostles, and they are witnesses of his resurrection. Go and ask those men. He's saying he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, and, and Paul is explicitly saying here, they are, most of them are still alive. He's saying go and find out the facts. This is what we are proclaiming. He appeared to James, to all the apostles, and Paul says then he also appeared to me. He's saying this is, there are eyewitnesses of a real event in time and history. And so as one commentator said, if you look at how Paul preaches, you see that he preaches and presents his case not as a philosopher, but as a herald. A philosopher says, here's my way of life, try it on. A herald says, here are the facts, try to refute them. Figure it out, ask the hard questions, figure out if it's wrong. And Paul does that, he says, here's what happened. Jesus was raised on the third day. If you wanna know the evidence, go talk to the apostles, go talk to Peter, go, go and talk to more than 500 people, and he also appeared to me. Paul traveled all over the Roman Empire to proclaim this news. And this was just a couple of decades after the events. These, in the New Testament, we have eyewitness accounts. We have four gospels that were written in the 60s AD. Jesus was crucified in 30 AD. We know that from external sources. So just 30 years later, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. The apostle John wrote his gospel in around 80 AD. But 1 Corinthians, this letter to the Corinthian church was written, and we can date it effectively to the spring of AD 54. That's 24 years after Jesus was killed and raised from the dead. Just 24 years later. Now, I want you to understand how recent that is. So 24 years ago was 1994. Here are some things that happened. You could go ask eyewitnesses and verify these facts. Tanya Harding was stripped of a championship following the attack of Nancy Kerrigan. There's even a movie now. <laughs> Netscape Navigator was released and quickly became the market leader for browsing the web. O.J. Simpson fled police in his white Ford Bronco. The Channel Tunnel, which took 15,000 workers over seven years to complete, 31 miles long, joining England and France, was completed. In 1994, 24 years ago, Major League Baseball had a 232-day strike that canceled out the season. The films that were hot that year, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, The Lion King, Dumb and Dumber, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Some of the bands that released big, big records that year were Alice in Chains, Green Day debuted with their album Dookie, Weezer debuted, and Pearl Jam fought Ticketmaster. That was also the year that Nirvana played their last concert because Kurt Cobain committed suicide. It's just not that long ago. When we say these things, you can hear the laughter because people still know these things happened. We need to understand that 1 Corinthians was written 24 years after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. and is a bold claim that he was raised from death to life, listing the living witnesses who experienced his resurrected self.
Now, in, uh, this week, I, I, was, I completely nerded out, and you're going to have to bear with me for a moment, church. Um, one of my friends, um, John Hadenbaugh, one of our elders, just saw in Dublin a codex that dates back to the 2nd century A.D., the early side of the dating of this list it, it, as 150 AD, just 120 years after the time of Christ, just 100 years after 1 Corinthians was written. And I was amazed this week looking at high-resolution images of it because this is the exact text we're reading today. This is 1 Corinthians 15, the oldest account, strict account of the gospel events that are written down for us, and we have this codex that we can look back at and read from that long ago. You see, there is no document with greater textual representation than the Bible, and the number of high-quality manuscripts is staggering. It's so easy to verify things that happened so recently to these writings, and so that's where we come back to what Thomas Arnold said. No one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. So, the gospel is something to be heralded, and so it's related to actual events and actual news. But what is the gospel? That's what we come back to. Well, it's in our passage in front of us that we're just going to leave on the screen today because this is why we're here. That, that Paul had preached, the apostles preached, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That the, and so this wasn't something that was an accident. This wasn't something that just happened out of the blue, that was unexpected. It was in accordance with the scriptures. And what he's talking about is the prophecies of Isaiah, which were written down more than 700 years before Jesus came, when Isaiah looked ahead to a servant of God who, who was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed." Isaiah looked ahead saying there would become one, an innocent one, who would be killed on behalf of the unrighteous, the one that would come and die in our place for our sin, to cleanse us from our guilt, to, to reconcile us to a holy God, and to, and to make a way for us to come into his presence. He looked ahead to the time that that would happen through Jesus Christ. And so that's why Paul is able to say, this is the gospel. Jesus was crucified. He died in our place for our sin. He was buried in a tomb. He was laid low in the grave. And then, on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, he was raised. It is only through that death and resurrection that we have any hope. That's our hope for salvation. That's our hope for reconciliation to God. That's our hope for reconciliation and healing with each other. It's only through death that that resurrection could come. And the resurrection of Jesus shows us that resurrection life is better than pre-resurrection life because he was untouchable by sin or death. He had conquered them. Later on in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes on to just say, thanks be to God who has given us, the, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, death has been swallowed up in this victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is in sin. It's the power of sin is the law. But God has given us victory in the resurrection of Jesus. This is the good news that the apostles proclaimed. This is the gospel, the good news that's been proclaimed in Christian churches for the last 2,000 years. It's simple. And so let's not complicate it this morning. Christ died in our place for our sin. He was buried, and on the third day, he was raised from death to life. And every one of us then has to decide what to do with this news. The first question isn't whether or not you like Jesus' teaching. It's not whether or not 
you think you line up with the morals and ethics that you see Christians proclaiming, the first question for every one of us today is what do you do with the, the, the claim that Jesus was killed, that he was raised from death to life? Don't, don't come in this morning trying to figure out if, if Christianity is going to fit you well, like, a, like trying on a shirt. Ask the question, did Jesus raise from the dead? And if not, what do you do with the eyewitness claims, both in the biblical text and outside of it? See, if he didn't raise from death to life, then his teaching is meaningless. And in fact, again, going back to C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said, said, listen, we only have a few options. He's either our Lord, God in the flesh, who actually did what, what is said of him, or he's a liar because he claimed to be God. Or, I mean, for most of us, if we encounter somebody that comes up to us and says, hey, I am God in the flesh, we would think, you're crazy. So he's either our Lord or a liar or a lunatic, and we don't have other options as we encounter Jesus. So what do you do with Jesus? If he was raised from the dead, then it changes everything. And so what's our response today? Well, it's right here in our text. Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. He's saying, I'm reminding you of the things that were proclaimed to you and which you received. So first, receive the good news. Every one of you has come in here in a different place this morning. Some of you are Christians who came in this morning excited, ready to celebrate, looking forward to this weekend and with anticipation for weeks now as we've anticipated it. Some of you are lined up to get baptized this morning, and I know that for some of you that you're nervous because you don't want to be in front of a crowd of people. For some of you, you've been telling me for weeks how excited you are for this day to come. And so we're here to celebrate today, to celebrate the resurrection. For some of you this morning, you've come in and you are suffering. Life has not been easy on you. You've come here with hard questions and a soul that is weighed down and laid low by what's going on in your life. I want you to hear today that you can have confidence that Christ has gone before you. That the resurrection shows us that he was willing to go into the darkest of death's valleys. That he took on death itself. That he was laid in the grave. And so that when we enter into dark places and walk through death's valley in our own lives, we can have confidence that Christ will meet us in it because he has gone through it. You can have confidence that, that Christ is the one who can give you hope and bring light that can break through the darkest of shadows. So turn to him and find hope this morning. Some of you are here this morning because it's Easter Sunday and it it seemed like the right thing to do. And I'm so glad that you're here. I invite you today to take a look for yourself. This is the good news that we proclaim. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and appeared to eyewitnesses. And so don't leave this morning without taking this seriously and considering whether or not you can believe that this is true. There's no middle ground left by the claims of Jesus and his followers. And some of you have come in this morning dragged here because you're skeptics. And I'm so glad that you've come too. I want you to know that no one here is asking you to just do something in blind faith or to embrace a philosophy as a crutch. And that the hardest questions that you have and the the most cynical perspectives that you have, that this is a place where you are welcome and safe to ask those questions because we believe that these events are true and historic. And we would be glad to engage with you and to continue a conversation with you. I would be glad to meet with you. 
And so ask the hard questions, examine this, but actually take some time to consider. I would invite you and challenge you to really take some time and consider what you've heard today. And then I'll pray that you can receive the good news of what God has done for you. And so if you've received this good news, then the second thing that Paul says is, you know, this is the gospel that you received and in which you stand. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the call to you this morning. Stand in this gospel. Stand in the simple truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Come back to that over and over again. Hold fast to it. This is the encouragement we have from the author of Hebrews when he says, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful saying, hold fast to what we claim about Jesus. Don't let go of those things. Whether we're in the highest of, of mountaintops or the lowest of valleys, hold fast to the confession of Jesus Christ, him killed and him crucified. And then finally, Paul goes on to say here, and by which you are being saved. And so this is an invitation to all of you today. If you turn to Christ in faith and repentance, you will be saved You'll be welcomed into the family of God. You'll be, you'll be brought into God's family with him as your father and, and with brothers and sisters, sons and daughters together. See, church, there is so great a hope for us in the resurrection. We need not fear death anymore. Frederick Buechner says, the, for the Christian, the worst thing is never the last thing. Whatever sorrow we face, whatever pain we experience, whatever comes into our lives, we do not need to be afraid because Christ has gone before us and has conquered death itself. We know that Jesus has gone before us and will meet us in the depths and that God brings life from death. So we need not fear death and we also have a great hope and something to look forward to. We have, no matter what, our, what circumstances we face here, that we can have confidence that the things we do here and our investment in this life actually matters. And he writes, says, whatever you do in the Lord is not in vain. You're not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll over a cliff. You're not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown in a fire. You're not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange though it may seem, and almost hard to believe, as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, you are accomplishing something in your life that will come, become, in due course, a part of God's new world. See, the resurrection is, is the deposit. It's the beginning of Christ's work in renewing and restoring all things, in renewing and restoring this earth itself. As we read in Romans 8, that, that all of creation groans longing for its day of redemption. And it gives us the hope that Jesus actually can make it happen, that he has that power. And so today, we are celebrating together. We're singing together, and we're going to have a lot more singing now as we, as we move into the back end of our service. And we're also going to celebrate baptisms together today. Baptisms, a little bit of an explanation of what you're going to see Baptisms are one of two sacraments that Jesus gave us, one of two commanded practices to the church. Baptism shows us, the, uh, in a graphic portrait, the, the unity of someone with Jesus in his death and burial and resurrection. So as we baptize somebody, this is what's being shown, as they're standing publicly to say they are standing with Jesus, that they are proclaiming their love for Jesus and their trust that God has saved them, that he has filled them with his spirit. And so as we place people below the water, we're showing unity with Jesus in his death and in his burial, saying that they are killing their 
their, they're willing to put to the death their own flesh, their sin, and leave behind their own prideful pursuits and then be raised to life within unity with Jesus. And so we're going to baptize people this morning, and we have some people lined up. And, and listen, if you are ready to commit publicly that you're a follower of Jesus, if you are interested in being baptized today, we actually have shirts and shorts available for you. We'll, we'll do it right now. There is water, why would you not be baptized? And so we'll have elders available down on the other side of that piano down here that w- would be willing to meet with you and talk with you and to hear from you why would you, want to, you would want to be baptized. And for real, we do have shorts and shirts and towels available that you can be baptized um, this morning with us. We have right now, I think, seven people this morning and more this evening who are ready to be baptized. And so, um, but if you would like to, you can join us in that celebration this morning. We're also going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion. Communion is, so baptism is the entry point of saying, I'm follower, a follower of Jesus. I'm standing with Jesus and trusting my life and soul to him. Communion is the ongoing celebration of, of our trust that it is in the broken body of Jesus and in his spilled blood that we are actually welcomed to the table of the Lord in unity with Christ and with each other. And so we're also going to celebrate communion throughout this time. And so it's going to be a little chaotic. People are going to be up all over the room, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so um, for communion, we have four stations set up across the front, and there's one upstairs um, for you folks in the balcony to be able to celebrate communion today. Down here, it's going to work best if you come down these two aisles and then kind of cycle out to the sides. Um, so that's what we have in store for us as we continue the celebration this morning. But uh, I want to leave you with this. What we celebrate today is rooted in history and reality. Don't turn Christianity into, into a philosophy. Don't look to simply personalize these events so much that we deny history itself. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then there, if this really is just some old tale, if this really is a myth, if this is something we can just kind of incredulously chuckle away, then there is no hope for us. There's no transcendent purpose. The end of our lives is the end of our existence, and we have wasted our time together this morning. But if Jesus did raise from the dead then it changes everything. We don't need to fear death anymore. We, we have the promise of joy and life and we can respond in awestruck worship of our risen Lord, saying together and declaring together, church, that he is risen. He is risen so that even in your doubts and struggles today, we can turn and worship him together. We can seek Jesus, the one who was crucified for us in accordance with the scriptures, who took our place for our sin and was laid in the grave. And seek Jesus, the one who is alive and conquered death and was raised from death to life. And we say again, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, would you help us this morning? Would you move by your spirit to, to bring, our, uh, bring light to our eyes, to help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear your word for us? As we get to baptize people this morning, we pray that their faith would be strengthened and that ours would be strengthened in seeing their stand. We pray, Father, that you would move by your spirit in our hearts. We say today, in in our own doubt and fear, Lord, we believe, help us in our unbelief. And so we lift this time to you, this celebration this morning, and pray that it would be pleasing to you that you, would, that you would meet us in this place and that we would live as a resurrection people in trust, in hope, in freedom from fear.
We pray this in the name of Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen.